Welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. I am your host, Peter Komalafe. This is where we talk about money and all things personal finance, where we help you make the best financial decisions possible because money is a tool and life is for living. Good morning and welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me this Monday morning. Today, we're going to talk about UK ISAs. We're going to be talking about the report, which has just been published this past few weeks by a think tank, which is essentially urging Jeremy Hunt to cap the lifetime limit of UK ISIS to £100,000. Now, having looked through the report, it's it's quite interesting, if I'm honest. The positioning for the reasons behind this, I think are maybe a little bit questionable, but I do think that it also highlights um, a negligence or an unawareness of the an, a much bigger problem, which... I've spoken about here on this podcast, I 100% champion because I believe it to be true. And it will be interesting to hear from you guys on social media after you've listened to this. So please feel free to reach out what your views are as well. Because for a lot of people, this may not impact them. It may not make any difference at all. For some people, it will impact them. And there's, there's a lot to unpack with this suggestion. But as always, what does it mean to you? What does it mean to you? What do you have to do about it? And that's kind of what this episode is going to be all about. So in this in this report, it suggested that the ISA lifetime limit be capped at £100,000. Now, the reason for that is that the report posits that the ISA regime or policy essentially incentivizes high income earners to save into an ISA and not low income households. Now, Clearly, there is a difference between low income and high income, and I think it's really important to understand where you basically sit. But I believe that for most people on on the YouTube channel who follow me and most people who are on Instagram and maybe even you who listen to the podcast will be from across uh, different income brackets. And within that, you will have different views on use of ISA. I would certainly say from the people that I have spoken to, who I have interacted with across all three of my cha- of my mediums, the podcast, Instagram, and YouTube, there was a large swathe, I would say majority swathe of them that all use ISIS, all to different levels based on their income. But ISIS are very, very popular. They were introduced back in 1999 to encourage people to save more because of the tax-free element to it. The report posited that when the increases to the ISA allowance happened in 2014, that there was a disproportionate amount of money that went in from high income households that otherwise would have gone into savings account where tax would have been payable. And I can see that that would be true. Uh, During my time advising and working with financial advisors, there has definitely been uh, a noted instances where Wealthy clients use up their allowance every single year and they feed it via their general investment accounts every single year to top up their ICES to make sure they can move a large chunk of money into a tax-free environment. This is what happens. It is part of financial planning. So capping this at £100,000 will 100% hit the high earners and maybe wealthy people limit them in terms of how much they're going to be able to put into there and also get as income tax-free as well. Does it really make a difference to low-income, middle-income households, though? 
That is the question. The the overarching sentiment that I've got from the response to the video on Sunday, this past weekend, is that for most people on low incomes and middle incomes, it's not going to make any difference at all. And I can see that because even at the current ISA allowance limits, it's going to take five years if you're lucky enough to have that disposable income to put money into uh, your ISA and max out that £100,000. And the reality is for most people, you're not going to be able to do that. But I asked the question why we're doing this. Well, it's evident. News is reported in the report. It's also posited in there that this is going to raise £1 billion by the end of 2023 for the government. And circa £1 billion plus every single year after that, which given where we are right now, is a positive because we need to raise more taxes. However, there is the opposite side of the argument here that I guess high income households and investors will argue. And let's not beat about the bush. This podcast does cater to investors as much as everyone else, that this is just another way to tighten the screw on on investors and people on a tax level. We've already seen what's happening with capital gains tax allowance, with the dividend allowance. Those are all being significantly reduced over the next couple of tax years in a bid to raise more taxes for the government. Another thing that I've noticed on the, in the comment section on, on YouTube is that people wouldn't necessarily feel um, as though this is a restrictive tax or unnecessary tax if they knew that the billion pound that would be raised by this would be used for good purposes, for good reasons. If it would improve the NHS, for example. But there is no accountability in government to understand where this money will go, what it will be used on, and whether it would actually make a difference or not. And I think this speaks to the underlying issue that I really want to talk about here on this podcast. Number one, we don't have trust in our government, and that is an issue whenever you have any setup, let alone just, you know, a country with a government in charge of looking after the interests of its citizens. If you don't have any trust in business, your business is gone. If you don't have any trust in your personal relationships, your personal relationship is gone. You know, as citizens to the government, those dynamics still ring true. However, however, in the report, it talks about the fact that ISIS do not incentivize low-income households to save enough. Now, this is interesting because... We know that according to recent reports and research that one in four of us have £100 in savings, just one in four, and one in six of us have no savings at all. And when you compare us to our fellow compatriots in the G7, for the last 20, 22 years, we have had the lowest savings rate as a country in the entire G7. Meaning, us as citizens, we save the least amount of money. How do we get here? How is that possible? How do we lack financial education to the point that we find ourselves in a situation where a recession is looming, interest rates are rising, we're fighting inflation, we have unemployment numbers set to go from 3.7% at the beginning of 2023 to 5% by the end of 2023, soaring to 5.6% in the middle of 2024. 
And in the midst of all of this, we are in a cost of living crisis where people can barely afford to make ends meet. There was data published recently about consumer debt in the UK. And this consumer debt is the likes of overdrafts, credit cards, personal loans. In the back end of 2022, consumer debt soared to £1.5 billion. 1.2 of that came in the form of credit cards. People struggling to make ends meet. And in the new year, we are seeing Step Change, a debt charity, see a 21% increase in people seeking their help because they are struggling to repay their debts. According to the credit card providers, they've seen a 42% increase in credit card inquiries between 2021 and 2022. We are in dire, dire straits. And so financial education, I feel, is the point that has been missed in this report. It's been glazed over. It's been ignored. Willfully, I don't know. But I feel as though we need to get back to the basics. We need to get back to the key principles that matter. Quick one. I have just announced my book, The Money Basics, How to Become Your Own Financial Hero. It is going to be released on March 16th with HarperCollins. It is a five-step basic formula to cultivating the financial habits that lead to financial security. I believe that anyone and everyone can benefit from this because these are the fundamental things that we don't get taught in school. It is available as a paperback, ebook and also audiobook. You can pre-order your copy right now via Amazon. There is a link in the show notes. So the question is, is this likely to be implemented come March 15th? Will it be announced in the budget? And the answer to that is, I don't know. I don't know that the Tories or any government, Labour, Lib Dems, any party would have the, the goal to do this. But there is a strong case for them to do this. We're heading into a recession. The economy is going to retract. Therefore, they have to raise taxes in some way, shape or form to be able to generate more money if the economy isn't growing. And I think ultimately, when you think about this from an optics point of view, if they were going to attack ISIS in a bid to increase the tax take, this is probably the best way of doing it because it has a nice spin to it. It could be perceived that by capping the maximum amount you can accumulate in an ISA across your lifetime is capped at £100,000, it could be spun as a tax on the rich, which is a very popular narrative. That narrative wouldn't be received as well if they reduce the ISA allowance, in my view. So will they do this? I don't, I really don't know. I think one of the things that has really come across uh, that people are very, very annoyed at when hearing this suggestion is that for many people who are working, regardless of whether you're in the 20%, 40% or, you know, additional rate, higher rate tax pay, payer brackets, you are already taxed at source for the money that you're putting into this ISA to then be taxed again. And this is the way taxation works, feels like a bit of a, a double kick in the teeth. 
And there was a comment on YouTube from a 24 year old. And he, he talked about how it feels as though everything is rigged against him. You know, being 24 years old, coming to the realization that getting on the property ladder is so much more difficult now because of property prices and how incomes have not obviously kept up with inflation. Inflation is high, burdened with student debt to get a degree that you may not necessarily get a job for. We need change. We need a new approach. And I've spoken about this a number of times on the podcast. And I think it's something that we need to debate. We need to push forward. We need to keep having a conversation about because what is working right now isn't working. It isn't working. And it isn't working for a lot of people. And it's certainly not working for the next generation. We cannot be a country of high taxation. And in my view, still continue to have poor services, poor amenities. There has to be a new approach, a radical approach. And I would love for financial education to be part of that radical approach, that radical change, because we need it. And so what actually happens if this is announced on March 15th in the budget? What 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 do we do? I don't necessarily think that anything is going to happen. If it does get introduced, I think we'll continue to invest and save into ISIS, and we should. But I think that ultimately we're in a phase of change. We're in a phase of restrictive policies. And this is what happens when you're in a recession. It is also rumored that he is likely to announce the increase to state pension age uh, come March 15th as well. And if you've been following the news over the last few weeks, an increase to the state pension age was announced in France and that wasn't received too well at all by the public. Now that's not going to happen over here and I don't think it would happen over here, but it just goes to show that we are in a very difficult spot right now. And what happens next and what we do next is going to be very, very important. As always, with these kind of things, we cannot necessarily influence what gets announced. Yes, we have the power in the in the voting booths to vote in and out governments, but is it going to change anything? If it's announced, no, it won't. It won't change anything at all. And so I think we have to take personal responsibility. And some of the things that I've been talking about on the podcast for the last two, three years really comes into play here. Look, we're being squeezed left, right and centre. So understanding budgeting, understanding your money, understanding where it's going, understanding what your goals are, understanding how and what you want to use money for, what purpose it plays in your life is really, really important. If you're utilizing debt, it's really making sure that you're able to get a good handle on all of that. I cover that in the books. If you haven't pre-ordered, please go and pre-order that right now. It will also be an audio book as well, so you can listen to me actually narrate the book as well. We have to take personal responsibility. And in as much as this is very, very frustrating and it is going to anger people, I don't know. I feel hopeless. How do you feel? 